Welcome to Coffee and Capital, brought to you today by Two Smith IQ and Two Smith Capital. Now here's your host, Two Smith CEO Jeremy Smith. Welcome back, everybody. Today's episode, episode eighteen. We're going to talk about the difference between USDA SBA lending and SBA lending in general. So in today's episode, I got the All Star, the homie, the race and the ace in the bucket. Edgar Escobar from North Avenue Capital Bank. Edgar, say hello to everybody. Hey, Jeremy, appreciate it. Everyone, look forward to speaking with you all today, but educating a little bit about USDA financing here, what we do at North Avenue Capital. Awesome. So I'm not going to take most of the joy or most of the stuff. I'm going to let Edgar just introduce himself to the audience. Can you tell everyone about yourself? Yeah, absolutely. So I'm Edgar Escobar, as Jeremy kind of mentioned there. I'm with North Avenue Capital. I'm based out of uh, Ponte Vedra, Florida, which is south, a little south of Jacksonville. We're a nationwide direct lender. All we focus in specifically is USDA financing. We'll get a little more into it, but it's a government guaranteed loan program, very similar to the SBA. Just a couple different nuances with it that differentiate us from SBA lending, but we're a nationwide lender, direct lender, so we're not a broker or middleman. We're, we're here to help you guys in any any business needs you guys have across the country. Cool. So, Edgar, can you tell a little bit of people, everyone about yourself, like what's your background, yeah, like where you yeah. went to school, what's your experience? Yeah, absolutely. So I'm originally from the Washington, D.C. area. Uh, that's where I grew up, out in uh, Maryland, and I went to high school Played sports there all growing up, went to college to at a small D3 school in Westminster, Maryland called McDaniel College. From there, I moved to, to Jacksonville, Florida from my previous employer, which was a, a software company, same kind of thing, doing sales, account management. And then in the last three years, I ventured out to North Avenue Capital here in, in Ponte Vedra, Sawgrass, Florida, where I've been working in capital markets and different kind of financing options for businesses across the country. Cool. Yeah, so me and Edgar... We met a lot of SBA conferences, the broker conference, I believe it. I think we, yeah, we met at NACLB in Vegas, I think. It, was that it? Yeah. I, I, I believe yeah, I think so. Was, I think it was NACLB in Vegas, what, two years ago, three years ago? I believe so. Yeah. So with that being said, I just want to hop into it. Our listeners are starving for the information. So can you just break down the big main difference between USDA and SBA and what exactly is USDA SBA lending? Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, one of the biggest differences between USDA and SBA or really USDA and any other loan program you're going to come across in the market is going to be the geographical restriction. So USDA eligible loans have to be in a rural area. And I like to say, quote unquote, rural, because 97% of the country is actually considered rural. Rural. So you'd be surprised as to what areas are actually qualified for these loan programs where someone may think they hear rural and they're going to think, oh, that just means farms, pigs, cows, just means anything in the boonies. But in reality, you can be 15, 20 minutes from a major suburb, a major city like Atlanta or D.C. and you're, you're eligible for USDA loan. So the rule of thumb is technically a population of 50,000 or less. But it's it's kind of hard to gauge that. I mean, if, even if you Google it, you're going to get different numbers. So if you go to northavenue.com, we have a, a map button at the top right of our website. 
where you're able to type a zip code, a city, an address, and within a couple seconds, it'll tell you instantly whether it's eligible for USDA loans. So geograph, geograph, geography is the main, the main, the main difference because if it's in a in a major city, it's not going to work. We wouldn't be able to lend to it. So, so that's one of the biggest things there. Yeah. I was, sorry, cut you off. I actually want to step in real quick. So. As far as like some of the lending terms we've seen in the marketplace, USDA lending tends to have maybe a, a smaller equity injection, a longer amortization, uh, a little bit more of the creative financing, would you say, on terms? Can you yeah, speak absolutely. on that? Yeah, absolutely. So when it comes to USDA, and, and for those that don't know, USDA stands for United States Department of Agriculture. And we'll touch a little bit on that as well as to what businesses are eligible. But when it comes to USDA, an existing business, all they need is 10% balance sheet equity on their on their balance sheet. And they're able to practically get a project done with no cash into the deal, right? So the loan can, can cover the whole expansion or the whole purchase of machinery equipment, the whole refi of debt, whatever it may be. As long as they have 10% balance sheet equity of the loan amount, they're able to get the deal done with no cash in. If we're talking about an acquisition, the minimum requirement is 10%, but that again will all depend on debt service and interest ratios and all that kind of stuff to determine how much injection is needed. But usually with an acquisition, 10 to 20% usually gets the deal done, depending depending the deal. From an amortization standpoint, we can go all the way up to 30 years in most cases, fully amortized. So there's no balloons, no calls, no nothing like that. And some industries can even uh, get 40 years fully amped as well. So that well, makes the cash flow real attractive. So when you say 40-year AMs, are we going like I.O. in the first 10 and we, we swooping back up in year 11 to, to year 30? Like what are you talking about like 40-year amortizations? Can you like touch on that for a second? Yeah, I mean, it just means straight up 40-year AMs. There's no interest only. I mean, there's interest only through construction if if, if there's construction for the project, right? Got but it. if there isn't, it'll be 40-year AMs straight through. And and the businesses that kind of reap those benefits is anything in the food supply chain sector. So it can be your cold storage facilities, your meat processing facilities, your meat packaging facilities, or poultry, whatever it may be, or it can be any any other kind of food-related, anything food-related in the sector where there's packaging involved as well. Oh, it can wow. be amortized over 40 years. And another key point with that one is anything that falls in the food supply chain sector, there's actually no geographic restriction for that program. So coffee and capital listeners, Edgar just threw the nugget out there. If you have a food supply storage business, geo proximity is off the table. We'll take you anywhere. Right, Edgar? Yep. Yeah, we can be in Atlanta, Dallas, Texas, Washington, D.C., Miami, don't matter where it is. Cool. And and those loan programs go up to 40 million as well. So our cap is 40 million on that program. Oh, wow. 40 year max, 40 year AM. And max pricing on that is actually Wall Street Journal Prime plus a spread of two points on top of that. So not too bad either. So you guys are pretty competitive when it comes to getting the deal, too. Yeah, exactly. Because usually businesses in, in those major metropolitan areas, they're able to get capital pretty easily, right? Pretty good, cheap capital. They're they're well capitalized. So one of the incentives for, incentives for the USDA was this program only launched about a year and a half ago. And it was kind of towards the end of COVID that they launched it to help that food supply and chain concerns that were going on in the market. And I mean, the only way to be competitive there is you got to be aggressive, right? You're dealing with very bankable Absolutely. businesses and deals. So it's, it's, you got to be aggressive. <laughs> I, so what we're saying is that 
if you have not done business with North Avenue Capital and Edgar Escobar, you haven't done business the right way. <laughs> Basically, hey, right? You said it. You said it. You I, said I, it. I got it. Cool. So, <laughs> so like touching on the difference in like the specificity of USDA lending with North Avenue Capital, like what's the typical credit box for like a bar? Like are we talking like FICO, business credit, like what's your ideal profile till we get into the sweet spot of deals? Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, again, it'll be case by case basis, right? What kind of deal are we working with? If we're working with a ground up construction or a type of startup thing. FICOs, we like to see borrowers above 680. If there's anything below that, we'll look at it. We'll look at the credit report, make sure there isn't anything alarming or glaring that really sticks out. But aside from that, usually 680 is a good rule of thumb. Personal financial statement, there isn't a number we'll put on it, but we'll we'll look at it, right? We'll see what kind of net worth they have, what other assets they have on their on their uh, personal financial statement, where their equities all tied up in, and if it's all in good stuff, that all all counts cool. as value, right? Cool. So you so when you look at the PFS, you want to know that you got some sticky behind this person. You want to know that they got some like tangible assets behind the transaction. Yeah, exactly. I mean, if they're trying to borrow $10 million to go start up a, a uh, I don't know, family entertainment yeah. center, and they only yeah. have their house to themselves, they've never done another business venture, that's going to bring some flags, right? Totally, totally. So now that we know high level what USDA lending's about, geo proximity, kind of what North Avenue's about, like, what's what's a good typical transaction that you see that's a sweet spot for North Avenue Capital? We know your max is 40. We know the 7A credit box actually is up to 5 million. So yep. what's what's ideal in the North Avenue capital world to say, hey, you know what? I'm angry. I'm picking the phone up. This is a priority to me. This is kind of not a priority to me. Like, So what are you looking for? Yeah, no. So, I mean, that can all vary, right? Given the market. I mean, in current market situations, ground up constructions are something that a lot of people go to USDA financing for. But our sweet spot right now, I could say, could probably be acquisitions. I mean, acquisitions are probably the the better kind of looking deals right now just because of cash flow and interest rate sensitivity and all that. If you have a strong business that's cash flow and doing well, serving servicing their debt at a 2.0 ratio currently, it makes it a lot easier to underwrite and get done. Refinance historically has been another good one. Um, a lot of people who take on bridge debt to get, or they take on expensive equipment debt to get equipment as they're growing quickly. And we're usually pretty attractive when it comes to refinance because we're able to get them longer amortizations. But in current market situations, refinance has gotten a little tough. So ooh, ooh. <laughs> I wouldn't say right now it's it's, it's easy, but you know historically, refinance and acquisitions are, are is it, really is good. It, is it tough like the Warriors on the road, man? I mean, like <laughs> Golden State's struggling on the road. Hey, hey, I'll be at a Hoacon in LA, so so you know my managing director and I are hoping for the Lakers to make a push into the playoff tournament okay, so okay. we can catch a game. So it's, it's, it's not that tough, like the Lakers making the playoffs <laughs> or goes here on the road, but equipment finance is pretty tough right now, right? Yeah, exactly. Refinances are pretty tough. But like I said, also historically, construction is, is another one that a lot of people look to USDA. So we'll look at a lot of construction deals. I mean, right nice. now we're currently un underwriting uh, one ground up construction hotel and another PIP. So a property improvement plan to, a, to an existing hotel. So Historically, the USDA is heavily utilized by the hospitality industry. So ground up construction, as I mentioned, is, is a big key thing. But then other so, sectors as well. I mean, that's probably a good segue into touching into kind of what, what industries we like to serve in, right? Absolutely. I was just going to say that. But, you know, you beat me to the – these guys at North <laughs> Avenue Capital are sharp. 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, so as I mentioned, hospitality is one manufacturing production, like we touched in the food supply chain, but it can yeah. be any other industry as well, like bullet manufacturer or a company that makes packaging for whatever it may be, water bottles or whatever it may be. So production manufacturing, oil and gas, surprisingly, is an industry that we do quite a decent amount of volume in. Like gas stations? Gas stations is one, yeah, but I'm actually speaking like actual oil and gas. So like out in the out in the fields with the tubing and the piping and, and out in the wells and, and all that kind of stuff, right? Mm. So for different companies that do either servicing in the industry or they manufacture the pipes and the different drills for that for that industry, whatever it may be. Wineries, distilleries are another other good ones. We love we, we love wineries. Those are actually pretty good. Coal mining, did a big coal mining deal last year. So, you know, oil and gas, coal mining, hospitality are usually industries that conventional banks won't touch, especially if they're tucked in those kind of rural markets. So those are all great fits for the USDA. Commercial real estate, it doesn't have to be owner-occupied like the SBA. So it can be either or, or it can be an investor or owner-occupied, doesn't matter. And then, yeah, I mean, anything industrial. So good rule of thumb is nothing that's residential or multifamily. So as long as it's not residential or multifamily, the USDA could be a great option for it. Oh, wow. That's awesome. So what are red flag transactions that you think that like, whoa, this is a red flag to a bar. This doesn't really make sense. So like, let me give you an example. You have debt restructure in yep. ground up construction, but the debt restructure in the ground up construction, there is too many layers of title information. One of the GPs actually is not credit worthy or let's say you look at the business who's going to be unoccupied, but you might not see any tax data on the 8821. Maybe those are some red flags that might stick out to me, but what are some red flags you see on transactions pre or post underwriting? Yeah. So if we're talking pre, I mean, one's going to be depending on the industry, the experience of the operator, the ooh, experience of the ooh. guarantor, right? You got no rookies at the table, right? Well, we can have rookies, but if, if they're bringing in, let's say they're giving 10%, 5% equity into a seasoned veteran in the space, that adds a lot of value from an underwriting perspective. But if we have someone coming in blind, trying to come in and construct a $10 million hotel and <laughs> they want to operate it, that's going to be a big, a pretty big flag that's going to be hard to get across my committee, right? Yeah. So experience is one that that's going to be key depending on the industry. Another one would be personal financial net worth, probably depending what kind of loan you're trying to take on, right? In the SBA world, you tend to see personal financials aren't too too strenuous on the deal because deal sizes can be just a couple hundred thousand or whatever it may be. But our, our minimum loan size is $4 million. So with our average loan size being about 13 million right now. Mm. So we're dealing with bigger size loans. So an analysis of that personal financial statement is pretty critical as well. If you want to make sure the person has a little bit of cash in case they hit a, a road bump down the road, right? So that's that's one one key flag we, we like to keep our, our eyes on. So we avoided all the pitfalls pre-underwriting. We know your deal size. We know your sophistication. The deal gets passed, the eye test. We're in underwriting. We have it. Yep. What's going to kick this loan out of underwriting that we can't fund? And that's that's going to be hard. <laughs> so one of the things that North Avenue strives in is you run into other banks and lenders that tend to give out LOIs like they're candy, right? Like I they, know, they right? Just give out non-binding LOIs. You know. Ooh, I like you. Ooh, North I like you. Ooh, I like you. The yeah, paper North Avenue, matter. nah, man. You're, you're not you're not going to get one of those from us. Well, it'll take us a week and a half, two weeks to get you a term sheet or a commitment letter. 
but that's because that's a full commitment letter. That's like, it's passed through my committee. It's fully approved and we're going to underwriting and we're going to go to underwriting because we're going to close the loan. Right. Gotcha. So we do a, quite a bit of the heavy lifting on the front end, but if we want to get into logistics, I mean, the only thing that could really shoot up a deal would be an appraisal comes in short and the borrowers don't have the capital to make up the shortfall mm, I see or that. an environmental issue on the, on the phase one, right? If there's some wetlands or something that they're trying to impose on that, you know, can't get around, then that could, that could rule the deal out for the USDA as well as any environmental issue. But aside from those things, I mean, <laughs> We, we've done quite a bit of the heavy lifting on the front end to to rule out a deal. So that's kind of how we get to that that point of we're only issuing a commitment letter because we know we're going to get the deal done. Would you would you say that kind of separates North Avenue Capital from a lot of other banks and nationwide lenders is that you guys pride yourself on really doing the due diligence up front and be like, it's for me, it's not for me. Hey, you know what? Let me refer you to someone else with Two Smith Capital, et cetera. Exactly. Exactly. And that's, that's one of the things like you said, it, you said it best. I mean, we're going to be upfront and straight up with you from the beginning. If it's a deal that, that we like, we're doing it. If we don't, we'll say, Hey, it's not a good fit for us right now. Here, go talk to these guys. They, they may have an appetite for it. Right. Or, Hey, Jeremy, be able to help you find some, someone else that could get this deal done. It's not in our credit box at the moment. Right. So that's one thing we do. We don't, we don't like to drag people along the way. I mean, just like we don't like borrowers to drag us around the way, right? <laughs> <laughs> so we like to be upfront and straight up from the beginning to make sure everyone gets gets to their end goal on time. Okay. And that's one of the other things. I mean, our average time frame to close from that commitment letter is 60 to 90 days. Oh, Sometimes wow. it may go a little longer, but 60, 90 days is a good average. You will hear horror stories about how USDA loans take a while to close, but we've kind of bridged that gap. We have interim financing where if we have a deal that's sensitive on a, on a, on a PSA or construction needs to get going ASAP and the USDA is taking a while, we'll close it on our balance sheet at the same rate in terms that we agreed upon on our USDA loan, mm. just interest only through that period until we get the USDA approval and we'll, we'll take it out with our USDA financing. So we'll hold it on our balance sheet and take it out as soon as USDA gets us approval. And that's just another point to show, you know, we're, we're, we're strategic partners with the borrower. We're not just a bank. We, we're in this together. So we're willing to to make things happen to make sure we meet everyone's deadlines. So listeners, what Edgar is saying is that we like the deal. You have to move. We'll throw our cash in there. We're just going to make sure we're protected by the USDA. Exactly. Yeah, then, then we're in. So like, I, yep. I totally get it. It makes a lot of sense. So they could go off and go get a bridge loan if they wanted to, but they're paying X fees on top of that, right? Our interim financing, there's no fees. There's it's our money, right? We're just yeah. holding the balance. We're holding on our balance sheet and we're taking it out with the USDA financing. I I totally get it. I it's wow. Not only did I just learned something today, but our viewers and our our listeners they just learned it. like I haven't heard of too many lenders that are gonna bridge you while you're in your transaction currently. Yep. Wow. I, think, I, had, I had to I, do, I did, I did, uh, what was it? Four of them personally last year. We had to do that. The USDA ran out of money in April or May. I can't remember exactly when it was. So that's half the year that funds were out and lenders couldn't close USDA loans. Hmm. So, so we bridged that gap with our, our interim financing. So that's awesome, by the way. And I think that in itself, besides the integrity and the follow through with the banks that you guys are doing with, it's also not producing 
meticulous LOIs that don't mean anything. Yep. But the fact that your bank is actually going to do interim bridge financing through transactions is even better. So what would you say would be North Avenue Capital's like signature brand promise? Like when people think of North Avenue Capital Bank, what do they think of? I mean, like I kind of just said it there, you're, you're, you're thinking of a lifelong partner kind of sort of, right? We're, we're in this together. We're going to be creative to get the deal done, but we're also going to be creative in a way where the borrower is not going to be left on the short end of the stick, right? So we're not we're not going to do a deal if, if debt service is tight just because we're going to make X amount of money on the deal. We're going to make sure that the borrower is set up to make sure they continue their growth and continue to grow. Make sure they're in a position to recapitalize as well down the road. I mean, not tie them into any type of long-term deals where they can't get out of it if they need to refi and buy additional equipment or whatever it may be. The interim financing is a good point too, how we we prove we're a partner. Some things happen in underwriting, some things happen where things get delayed, but you know, PSAs don't change. Sellers can easily walk away from deals and you lose all that hard on money you put in on earnest deposit or an escrow. That doesn't matter. And it could be the bank's fault at the end of the day if it if it drags out, right? Right. So mm. the interim financing is a good, a good option to show kind of how we partner up. But yeah, I mean, it's ultimately just, we're a team of about 20, 20 or so people all in-house underwriting. We don't outsource anything. Wow. Our servicing, de- our servicing department is all in-house. So the people you talk to every year on your annual reports and everything is, is our team. It's all our team. And our team is composed of very experienced individuals in the industry, ex-USDA employees as well. So it's just, we have, we have tons of knowledge in the space and that's kind of how we, we, we cemented ourselves as a leader in the space across the country. I know listeners, I've met them all, including Eggert. I've met them all. They are all first class individuals. So that being said, man, you dropped a lot of knowledge today. How can our listeners get a hold of you? What's the best way to contact you via email, phone? Like how do people reach out yeah. to you? People can always get me on my cell phone or my email. I mean, my cell phone is 240-316-8074. I'm always available. And like I like to tell people the easiest way to get to know the USDA program and what may fit is just repetitions. I mean, give me a call. You want to just feel out a deal with me? I'll gladly talk it out. Like, hey, this doesn't work because it's in Atlanta. Or, hey, this doesn't work because it's a little too small. Or, hey, this doesn't work because... We don't do multifamily, right? I'm never shying away from a conversation uh, on anything. The best way, I mean, like I like to tell people as well is education is one of the biggest things in the USDA space. People don't know about the loan program. So Mm. you just got to educate people, talk through it. And the more you do it, you'll come across a deal that fits for sure. So what about your email address? What's the best way that people can get across you? Yeah, email address is e. Escobar at northavenue.com. So that'll be E E S C O B A R at northavenue.com. Man, Edgar, I appreciate you dropping by Coffee and Capital, dropping some knowledge on the people today. That's today's episode. If you like what you hear, please check out coffeeandcapitaltalk.com for more. Thanks.